little touch pass there. Benson waiting, cuts in, he scores! Oh my! Here comes Zach Funk, right wing side. Zach Funk to right and he scores! Drops it back. Minton shoots, scores! Razor Minton makes it six to nothing. Welcome in to WH Unfiltered. Uh, pleased to be joined by Gino DePaoli, the play-by-play uh, -play voice and also communications manager of the Medicine Hat Tigers, and also joined uh, from Swift Current by co-host Sean Mullen. How's, uh, how's life in the prairies here? You guys got some snow. Yeah, we did get a lot of snow there. We were up in uh, Saskatoon and Prince Albert there, Chad, and it wasn't bad in Saskatoon. It was uh, nice weather in Saskatoon, which is a rarity in January, February. And then coming over from Prince Albert, just happened to be in Sean's uh, neck of the woods in Swift Current, where we had those classic junior hockey bus ride stories where, you, uh, you know what, we'll sleep with one eye open and make sure you're okay. We had a good driver on the way home, so it was not a big deal. But, yeah, it, it winter's back for a very short time in Manhattan. So, like, I think Swift Current, uh, well, at least Madison, God, it always gets blessed with less of a winter surge than everybody everywhere else because it's kind of like a desert climate climate here. So it's been okay though. Uh, the push for at least the central is starting to heat up quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. It, it, it's been a great winter. There's no question. But that that weekend, um, results wise. Maybe not what the, the Tigers hoped it would be uh, with the losses in Saskatoon and Prince Albert. I mean, Saskatoon, top team, that's not unexpected. But uh, the loss in PA, I'm sure, wasn't what the Tigers wanted. And, and how did you feel about the weekend in general? Well, I, I think I'd start with the Saskatoon game, Sean. It was, it was one of those games where I thought it was a really good first period between the two clubs. Like, it was really good. Like, if you were one of the almost 7,000 people in that building, you would be pretty impressive what you saw from both teams and you know Reed Andreessen scores 35 seconds in for the Tigers he's a Saskatoon kid so he's fired up the bench is fired up and well then Saskatoon started to uh you know take their liberties into their own hands and they get on the board right after they get a five on three goal but the Tigers battle back with a power play goal from Andrew Basha right after and you go 2-2 to the period and I thought it was it was good enough. Like it was a great start to, uh, you know, playing the top team in the country and rolling over to the second. It wasn't ideal shot wise when you look at how it went. But again, the Tigers, I thought, had kept the, the the blades to the outside quite a bit, and they really, you know, played a decent defensive game. And yeah, there was a few great A's, and Zach Sahara was brilliant in net, and then just kind of a, a a dose of bad luck, like with. A handful of seconds left in the neutral zone. Oasis Weisblatt gets tripped, no call. And unfortunately, Fraser Minton makes a really nice individual effort to the net, an initial save, and then taps home his own rebound with 2.8 seconds left. And I think that just 
really took the wind out of the sails for a really young team. It's still one of the youngest teams in the league is Madison Hats. And yeah, you, you look at it and I thought if you could have got to two, two going to the third, I don't know if you were going to necessarily win that game, at least just kind of how it was going. Because in the third, the blades just kind of played keep away really good with the puck. They got mobile defensemen that appear and disappear and their top line and, I think Igor Sidorov has proved he's one of the most skilled guys in the country when it comes to junior hockey right now, just how good he's been. And Fraser Minton has just been dynamite uh, being part of their power play and just doing all the little things right. And it just doesn't happen. Yeah, you give up the empty netter, you you go for it. It, it just didn't happen. It was a tough one. It's S2, but that's one that it comes to a lot of averages. But you got to be mentally tough to get through that one. I think there's still a little bit of time for the Tigers to – try and teach themselves some mental toughness. I think that's games are starting to get heavy in the second half a lot and teams are catching up to them because they had a great start and you should be rewarded for a great start. Like this team did everything in their power too. And then it goes to Prince Albert where again, it's a stage of bad luck. It's a high stick goal. That's waived no goal on the ice. And then they go upstairs to review it and, this will be from the biased opinion of me that looked like it was a depth, like you're swinging down at the puck and that's right at the shoulders. Like that's a, to me, it looked inconclusive from video review. And then they turn that into a goal and that's late. That's with less than three minutes to go in the first. And then right after on a delayed penalty. Yeah. It's a play off the back wall and you take the guy, Braden Doobie gets back to back goals and beats Ethan McCallum just over the goal line with a shot through the five hole. And then you're chasing again the whole game and you're down mm-hmm. three nothing at one point in the second. It was a really good third by the Tigers. They found their legs. They found that mental toughness to kind of get going, but just ran out of time when they made it three, two. And, you know, it was just one of those weekends where you, you, you hopefully you learn something from it. And it's a big week coming up, starting to get well, as this is being a game against Regina on Tuesday night. Yeah, I mean, the, the Tigers, a great season, a great team that's t- made big steps the last two years. The stretch here lately does include, you know, uh, only two wins in their last seven games. Uh, is, is there something you're seeing, uh, a trend at all with the team right now? Or you mentioned just the, the games are getting tougher, and and sometimes at this time of the year, you know, uh, there's going to be a stretch where it doesn't all come together. Well, that's the thing, Sean. Like, it, it... They haven't, and this is a fun fact, which hopefully carries in tomorrow for the Tigers, being one point ahead of Red Deer in the Central, and there's no games in hand right now until tomorrow. Uh, the Tigers have never lost more than two games in a row all season. Never. They haven't got to three. They've never had a winning streak longer than four, though. So, And, and I like that, in a sense, with this group, that it kind of keeps them humble, in a sense, where they don't think they're unstoppable yet. And I know this is a group that has all the potential in the world in the next couple of years, but there's a lot of pride on this team now to try and make a, make a push. And, you know, they did, didn't go for it per se, like other GMs did in the Western hockey league trade deadline, but all the players that were acquired, as I look back in that deal, the Tigers already have, and it's just, it's such a hard thing to fathom because we deal in absolutes when it comes to hockey and what's happening right now, not, 25 days from now, what's going to happen. And you look past that. All those pieces are in the Tigers lineup. They're just, they're just a couple years away. And I think we're still seeing a lot of players cross that threshold of that 40 to 50 games in the league, kind of how to 
do things the right way and obviously do it the Willie Dujardin way, which is fast and, and tenacious and, you know, rolling four like they always have under that coaching staff. And it really just kind of comes down to, again, it, to me, the big thing will be mental toughness. I think it's just something that none of these players, even the veterans have gone through. Cause if you go by the long storyline form, this is a team that won 11 games two year, two seasons ago, 11. And they're one win away from matching their season total all of last year already with 19 games to go as this is being recorded. It's, I think it, and again, you're missing potentially one of your best players in the line that hasn't played since December 16th and Caden Lindstrom. You get him back. That's going to be like getting a geeky or getting a Savoy back in your lineup. When that is, I don't know. He's still week to week, but this is just kind of that dull days. And this team's just got to figure it out on his own. You know, Gino, earlier you mentioned, you know, building up mental toughness on, on this club. And, you know, with a Willie, you know, coach club, I mean, you just you just think toughness. I mean, kind of the way that, that Willie's always ran the show. You know, he's been back in Medicine Hat for, you know, longer than I think a lot of us. It seems like he just came back, but it's been a couple of years now. It's kind of surprising to me. You know, what what do you think Willie would tell you as far as, you know, what the, the league is like now versus, you know, when he was coaching uh, Medicine Hat, you know, going to the Memorial Cup and say like 07 or so? That's a good question. I don't ask as many questions to Willie as I used to. <laughs> I think he just, I think I he think... knows where he's at with his group with in their cycle and where they got to get to and. Obviously, they're not there yet. I don't know if he would say that out loud, but but again, at the same time, they've maybe have progressed. And you know, Sean would know this good well or all too well. You look at Gab McKenna, how his second half since Christmas is gone. He's been the best rookie in the in the country, and he's the youngest player in the league, I believe, unless there's somebody a little bit older than him or younger than him by about be eleven days. Just how he's progressed and. He's still getting to learn some – it was a tough game Prince Albert. Didn't get a point. And I, I get, it's just kind of – I think everybody's just trying to rush and get this done. And, you know, Willie's very patient. There is a plan in place. And I think it's just up to his personnel to just keep working at practice every day. It, it will sound like a cliche answer, but it is. They just have to get that 1% better each day. And remember, you've got two young goalies that kind of won the job from Evan May and Zach Zahar and Ethan McCallum. They're just, I think, combined now for just under 40 appearances in the Western Hockey League. That That's tough. Like, when you look at opening night for the playoffs, which this team should make the playoffs, whether they're the two seed or the four seed or, you know, the six seed, whatever it may end up being, I don't think it gets that far. This is a team that still has a lot to learn, and I think that's just, again, it's part of the learning, learning process, and what better teacher than Willie Desjardins to teach you through it? And uh, there's no harder experience in the University of Life, right? And I think this is just something you're seeing. You, you're seeing playoff type hockey with Red Deer coming at you from all angles, and they seem to just not lose until recently. And you'll get them on a Saturday night at co-op place for the final time, and that game could determine whether this team finishes second or a different time in the East. Just how Red Deer plays. And I think that those matchups against Red Deer make you better because they play the exact same way. It's it's not it's not glamorous, at least the last game that I saw between those two teams. And it's just it's you're gonna have to figure this out on your own a little bit right now because no one's gonna help you. Well, you you bring Red Deer up and I 
I, I make circle back to McKenna as well because uh, I got to see him at the under-17s. and Yeah, he's a special player. But uh, you bring Randier up, and they kind of, you know, for, for me, came a, a little under, under the radar, won nine in a row, <laughs> and you're going, wait, when did Redier get in first place, like or, or almost in first place, then drop um, their last four? But what have you seen from the Rebels to, you know, kind of – floundered a bit and then were hit and miss for a while and then just took off uh, after the new year. What have you seen in the growth of the Rebels that have made them a team that's, uh, you know, neck and neck now for top spot in the division? Well, I think it, it took a little while, Sean and, and Chad, with just how uh, Derek Walser, a new coach, uh, not Steve Connawalchuk, not Brent Sutter from the past, and it was going to take some time uh, to figure out the coaching styles and how this team's going to play and and how you want to play. And he comes from the Peterborough Peets who were in the Memorial Cup the previous year. So it's kind of one of those, it took a little while that way. They had the pieces. They might have one of the most dynamic 20-year-olds in the league at Kai Uchaz who can score with Megan Strong. But they, they lost Jaden Groob uh, at the start of the year, went and played pro. <laughs> right? Like he's got a contract and signed with the Edmonton Oilers, so he's in their system. That was a huge loss to their lineup, and I, th- I look at their goaltending kind of leveled itself out when they moved Kyle Kelsey to Tri-City, and they went with, uh, sorry, with uh, Rhett Stoser, who was a really good goaltender last year, but a guy that might beat him, and it's been the sort of the trap for Red Deer is, well, let's bring in this other guy that we've got, and he's going to be better than the other guy. And Wetzky was goalie the month for January, and he was a brick wall. He's been, I think, minus Jan Spoonar from Portland for me, probably the best goalie in the league right now. Like, just how he's playing. And just the style that's for Red Deer. And Mateo Fabrizi, uh, Hunter May, uh, Mats Lindgren on D. They've got a very, very solid decor, and everything's just... It's one of those things that it just took a while, and you look back to you know the same from the A team. Uh, you love it when a plan comes together, and that's exactly what happened. Maybe they've had to push a little hard right now to get back in the th- thick of it, but remember, for the most part of this group, remember they started the season last season, fifteen straight wins to start the year. Like that was a, it was they were just clipping at an unreal rate, and they just fallen off. And I think if you had looked at the start of the year, where Maybe they were going to be. Maybe they should be where the Tigers are now. But now they've got to the point where they're fighting for that final spot. And, you know, they're a very surprising team. And that's a team you just, if you're in that 4-5 or the 2-7, you're you're not looking forward to what's about to come your way. And But then again, uh, you lose into a game, a team like Moose Jaw. So they still have some work to do. And maybe there's some, there's they got to have a little bit of help their way to get a little better. And they're just having their way right now with the Central Division. You know, we already we already talked about Saskatoon a little bit, and you know their record stands for itself. I mean, how how uh, you know from 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 your side of of the coin, how, how do you think that the blades are, are 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 built this year? I mean, people people have a lot of respect for what they've done so far. Well, they got a really good structure. Was kind of the uh, you're told about by the assistant coaching staff here. In Manhattan pregame, that they play with structure and they play with pace. And I, it's funny that you—they're not that flashy that I've noticed, but they—they they whip it, man. Like they can play keep away for minutes on end in the offensive zone. They may not create anything, but 
They're tired. They're they're wearing their opponents down, and they're not slow. Like they exit the zone really fast. I think if you were to draw anything up, that's exactly how you'd want it to be done with the with you know with the Wongs orchestrating on the near side below the red line on the power play. Igor Sidorov with a has a missile of a shot and ten game winning goals this year and can score anytime he has the puck. Like he has the fact that, you know, Anaheim's got him as a fourth round pick right now is kind of looking like a pretty big steal when you look at and back to back forty goal years for Cedarov, it's it doesn't matter who you throw out there right now. They've got three solid lines and potentially a fourth that they're a very well balanced team and they and they play with good structure because I don't think they overexert themselves because they know what's ahead of them coming to the playoffs. And Austin Elliott's been good in net. Uh, the, the Gardner kid's been really good as a rookie backup to him. And Mollendike is as good as any for defensemen in the league right now. And I, I saw him on the ice a lot yesterday or on Saturday, or sorry, Friday against the Blades and Tigers and didn't look out of place. He looks pretty good. I know he got hurt at the World Juniors, but the Blades are just balanced. The key word to me is just, the true term of balance right now, and that's just a good team. And you know what? Their time's going to maybe come this year, or because if it's not, it's going to be a long go for a while after this. Um, looking at how Saskatoon handled things last year, you know, feeling I think like okay, they're a little ahead of schedule. They didn't go out and add significantly um, like some other teams did, and they got a run to the final four. Do you feel like there's a, an element of that that uh, the Tigers, you know, could be looking to replicate a bit, like uh, maybe a, a bit ahead of their schedule, a good regular season run, if they could get a good playoff run out of this team? Um, a, you always want to go for, you know, if you have a chance to win, to win. B, a good long playoff run for a group that's maturing um, could really help them moving on to a season like next year when it's closer to when the team is supposed to be peaking. Um, I guess part two of that question is Madison Hat's never been a big buy or sell team in a, in a you know, go all in or go all out kind of way. Um, but that's the trend in, in CHL. Is this year just not the right time? Or in your mind, is that just not the way the Tigers are ever going to operate? Well, for the trade, that's an easy one. I don't think that's, and you can listen to any sort of, analytic or any sort of past audio that you hear from whether it was Sean Clouston or with Willie Desjardins, this team does not make many trades period. And they'll, they'll tell you in their, in their championship years and their 04 run, which is kind of, if you were to compare sort of teams of how they operate, this is where the comparable comes. They didn't make a single move when they won in 04. And I think in 2007, they made one. So it's very rare, and they kind of sit with that grow and develop lead kind of attitude. And then you look at a couple other teams that do the same thing. I know it was Brent Sutter that said right before the deadline that you know what the price is too high for some of these deals that are coming out. And if you want to make a splash, and you look at the teams that have made a splash, and I'm a big Moose Jaw Warrior fan right now. I I like how they work. I like the arena. Big fan of James Gallo. The whole city of Moose Jaw. I love the Mad Greek. They've never won the big one before, right? So they have to pull out all their stops out where the Tigers don't. They've won before. It's not like this team is starving for a championship. Of course, you want to win every year. It's not going to happen. Happen. That's junior. But 
that group's not there. And I guess you were talking about uh, maybe a little ahead of schedule. I, I kind of think they are. I, I looked at how they started. I'm like, okay, maybe they're a little better than I thought. Their defense was good. They were getting some big wins against some good teams. And I, I, I firmly do believe they're a little ahead of schedule, but they've got some grit. They've got three 20-year-old defense on the back end that, you know what, this is it for them. And that's kind of where I see, like, you have that sort of sense of urgency there that you're hoping will sort of rub off on the others to do it for them a little bit. And, you know, McKenna's 16. he got Mer- Tomas Mercik, who's been on an absolute roll lately, just with points, I believe, five of his last seven uh, in his draft year. And no King Lindstrom, as we mentioned before, but he was clipping at a point-per-game pay or over point-per-game and still leads the team in goals with 27. He's been gone for over a month. So there's just pieces there, and it's just, uh, patience is a virtue still, and even for broadcasts, you're like, oh, can we go for it? Make a move. And But, again, you're selling the farm for too much. We, we've seen it with Swift Current. Did they, I don't think they necessarily wanted to sell the farm this year to try and go for it because they kind of, they're behind schedule with how they're going with their team right now. Well, we, you know, we mentioned, you know, one of the members of the fame, you know, Sutter Brothers, you know, uh, the first family of the Western League, and they're – you know, kind of the the new generation would be the Weisblatts, you know, and so the uh, the Oasis Weisblatt is you know pacing this team. What's what's it been like, you know, calling calling his game so far and and the success that that he's having uh, so far this year? Man, Oasis, this is such a fun story. Um, you look, he's got well, he's he was tied for the WHL lead for game winning goals, I think, at one point, just with his career games and how many game-winning goals he had. I think he's got 10 career. At one point, it was every 10 games he scored the game winner. It was kind of clipping at that rate. So he's a playmaker first, and he's definitely been on his best behavior this year. I know there was a lot of – he doesn't have the best reputation in some buildings like Swift Current or even Prince Albert. I know they get on him quite a bit, but it's kind of rare because obviously older brother Ozzy played there and won a championship. But the human is great. And I, I think that's the one thing that always people forget about this game is what they are off the ice. He's not a terrible kid. <laughs> he's, he is as harmless as possible and always comes with – I call him the fox in the hen house now. I've been thinking about this a little bit. Like, once he gets in below the red line, like, he is going to stir things up and he's going to do a lot of good things. And Going to Columbus camp is huge for him. Uh, getting that invite and getting that NHL experience. And the, the Wiseblatt story is a really good one, obviously, with his family and – what his parents have kind of gone through, what he's gone through to get to this point and hasn't stopped growing, hasn't stopped developing. And he would, he would give the shirt off his back if it helped somebody indeed. So it, it's been fun to choice in that aspect where you never know what you're going to get. If you're going to get a five minute major from him, you might get in a tussle. He might put up three points. It, it's never a dull moment with him. And he's always been a pleasure to watch on the ice. Gavin McKenna came up a little earlier. You you mentioned you feel like in the second half he's been maybe the best uh, rookie in the country. I mean, you know, his age when he was born, uh, he's almost a year younger than than his age group, and he still has thrived playing against older players his entire life. He's just every shift you see him, you have to watch him. He's just a special, special talent. Um, watching him every day you know, even dating back to last year. What's it been like to see the evolution of his game? And are there any ways that that evolution has 
kind of surprised you in, in the last year and a half? Well, what has been the biggest improvement? And I'm I'm no hockey expert. People can, I'm not going to tell one person or another what he's going to be if he's going to be the first overall pick in 2026. But all roads point to that. That sounds like it's going to be the consensus. But it's the five on five game because you look at the start of the year this year. I believe all like I think most of his points at one point were just coming on the. Play, which a great because that's how superstars get their points. Like let's not let's not beat around the bush here. When you said when you've got when you're a good player and you have a power play, you should be successful. But it was the five on five game, and at one point, Sean and I I can't date it back. I should do a little better job of this, I guess. I think it was a minus eleven. Was it great uh, in five situation? And ever since he came back from Christmas, now he's at a plus one. So that's a huge turnaround. And obviously getting a lot of multi-point games is going to help in that aspect, obviously. But getting better in his own zone and or making that extra moment. And he has more time than everybody else, it just feels like. It looks like he's playing the game and everybody else is in slow motion. It's like almost like a, a movie where the guy's got the superpower and he can slow everything down because he's going to see it first. And but he's doing that at full speed. There's not many guys that can do that at this league and do it well and do it at 60. That's the biggest thing that I see from him is just uh, he's gotten a little bigger and a little stronger. I've noticed since uh, the first time I saw him. And the first time I saw him, he was 14. So evolution of almost two years later, technically, in a calendar year, how good he's had to be. He's gotten a little bigger. He's gotten a little stronger, a little more comfortable. He was always confident. Like, he was always going to be a good player, but he never really at all. It wasn't like, uh, you know, I'm I'm here, so pass me the puck. I haven't seen that yet, or or will, I don't think, at this point. He's very humble. I think being from the Yukon helps in that. I always liked his answer when we were talking about the uh, polar vor- vortex that rolled in here. I said, well, this must just be a regular summer day for you. And I said, what do you do when it's nice? He's like, we just don't go outside. So I was like, well, that's a great comment, but... He's starting to get that. He's very down to earth, at least right now, and he's just he's just being a kid right now. I, I know people have asked for media requests, and I I handle that. And I, you know, most he answers most phone calls, right? And he's pretty mature about it. And that's at sixteen, like you and I at sixteen, trying to talk to a reporter, it just would have been a disaster waiting to happen. And, and he's been doing interviews since he was thirteen, and just how he's getting better there. Uh, just being a man of the people a little bit, uh, getting out in the community the last little bit. I can't say enough about what he does, and I know he's a special player. And, and we're going to blink our eyes here, and it's going to be over, and then you're going to think what happened. But at the end of the day, it's it, it's just fun to watch him play. It, he, he just does things a little differently. He goes about his business, and he has all the weapons. I think even in that game against Prince Albert, where he didn't have a point, hit the post twice, so like, you're millimeters away from another multi-point game and getting close to your opponents in, in any aspect. And at one point, he was two points back at Tarek Parasak for the rookie lead in points. So I, I'm i not sure where it goes from there. It's, uh, you know, what the, the old saying, the sky's the limit. Well, I mean, you know, you, you, you throw Bedard out of the conversation and, you know, if a sixteen-year-old in this league, you know, getting sixty points is like the top, the top guys. You know, the the the, the you know the best 
players in this league, you know, at that age, it's just so hard to, to adjust. And, you know, McKenna's already exceeded that with, you know, a whole month and some change left in the season. I mean, that's pretty pretty remarkable to, to see what, what he's been doing so far. Sorry, can you repeat that? My phone cut out there a second there, chat. Oh, I was just pump, pumping his ti- uh, McKenna's tires as far as, you know, typically like oh. 60 points is really good. And he's already for a sixteen-year-old, and he's already he's already passed that with with some time to go yet. Well, and that's the thing. Like I, I talked to a good friend of ours, um, Peter Lobarius, and it was last year when he saw Gavin at a Calgary Hitman game. He was an affiliate, and we, he kind of said, there, "There's no doubt in my mind that his first year in the Western Hockey League, his points can start with an eight. And now, obviously, he's going to have to clip at a hell of a rate to get there but it's not out of the possibility he can't so it's really been and again this is probably maybe because no Caden Lindstrom you're getting that extra shot that maybe you're not because Lindstrom's been there a little bit longer and he's in that spot to kind of be there and I'm curious when Caden comes back if that'll differ but he's he's the quarterback like he is what you'd want to be as on the power play like he's at the top of the point and He's opening things up. Two guys are on, so you see somebody cheat off, and he's the primary primary assist guy. Remember, mm-hmm. in his first game against Lethbridge, he's he had four primary assists at fourteen in a nine-one game against Lethbridge. So he's dishing first, not shooting, but that shot is is not too far away from being elite. I mean, I I watched him at the under seventeens playing against his age group, and still, it's his age group, but he's also almost a calendar year younger, right? Just uh, based on birth years. But, yeah. you know, he's passing at a level that I, I I don't see anyone in that age group passing at. And, you know, there's a lot of good shooters. I, I don't want to say a lot of shooters at his level, but a lot of the times you watch guys who are elite players, they have great shots. And he has a great shot. It's it's at the top of his class. But it, it's his playmaking ability and where he can place pucks and the speed he can place them at and the precision. Uh, and... and doing it in stride, you just don't see other players do that. And I think that's one of the, the biggest things that makes him so special and must be one of the things where, you, you know, you watch it on a day-to-day basis and go, did I see that happen again? You know, it, it's there, there's very few players in the league you can point to that, that have that kind of skill distributing. Well, it, it, you're, you nailed it. And maybe, like, if they were to put out, like, those big graphics of draft, like, what who do they compare them to and – but the first thing they'll say is hockey IQ, and who still has a really good hockey IQ at the, the ripe old age of thirty six? But Sidney Crosby, right? Like mm-hmm. still, like yeah, the speed maybe has gone a little bit from, but not that much. Like the his brain's still moving. Like uh, the hockey brain is at all cylinders at sixteen. So I don't know how. Like, and I'm not comparing him to. Cindy Crosby, but the hockey IQ is off the charts. Uh, Played and simple, there, Sean. It's just what what more can you say? Like, I want more. I, what's next for this kid? Like, is it just averaging that Bedard two points a game with without breaking a sweat, or you know what, making young guys look? And remember when he's a sophomore, and technically two more years again, McKenna for those listening. So, uh, Chad for those in Portland, uh, they only get one crack to see him, so they better go see him next year. By the way, so. 
Uh, we're, the Western League is blessed with that, that there's three years in McKenna and not just the two. Yeah, interesting. Pretty looking looking forward to that. Who are some of the some of the other players that are really stirring the pot for uh, for Medicine Hat that 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 you're you're having fun calling games for here? Well, I've enjoyed watching Tomas Bursic play the last little while, and I think he's just a really a, a player that goes under the radar, but he's ranked just how he plays uh, smooth, like opportune when on the power play. He's deadly from the right circle with the one timer. He's really snapping the puck Shane Smith I think big strong only getting better really good shot when he gets it off up to 24 goals uh Hunter St. Martin who hasn't been ranked yet and I don't know how because I if I was to put money in a fastest skater competition the Western Hockey League I think Hunter St. Martin might be at the top of the leaderboard when it comes to it so there there is that depth of watching right now and just Everybody goes. There hasn't been it hasn't been a true dull moment yet. The group, and we're obviously seeing the 07s like Hayden Harsan. He's done really well in the second half of the season. He's in the top 20 in rookie points now. And I know it took him about 20 games to get his first point. And it was right after the U17 announcement when he wasn't selected. And it's too bad because you know when you don't have many points and they're picking that U17. They're going to take somebody that's got points, and uh, you feel bad for a guy like that that you knew was good enough. He was a, the other first, the other first rounder in that Gavin McKenna draft, and how good he was. And you know, double digits and goals. He's up to twenty points, pretty good for a sixteen-year-old. And there's the quote from assistant coach Josh Maser about uh, it doesn't matter what you do at sixteen in the Western League as long as you get better. I know points are always what everybody looks at. We look at it, no doubt about it. But when you see how he, he doesn't lose puck battles, he's fast. That north-south is as good as any, I think, just how he gets open. And he, you know what, he, like, puck battles, are very, and he's not a very big guy, and he comes out with a puck. So that's what amazed me. I, You look at the defense, like Josh Van Mulligan, I think, has just been dead solid all season. He's never missed a game in his career. And the young guys like Matthew Paranch, I think, have been a little snake bit with points. He was D-man of the year in the Canada Sports School Hockey League. Really good, and it's just whatever's happening, it's happening. And then we got to see Jack Kaczkowski, also part of that 07 birthday that they got from Brooks. Uh, during the year, he deferred and signed, and uh, he's got his, he got his first goal in Prince Albert. That was really good in that game. And I don't think Jack has had a bad game except for maybe his first game where he's got a little bit of jitters because there was a big jump from junior A to major junior. And I, I kind of joked about him with it after. I said, ah, you can't do that that move there anymore. He's like, no, <laughs> it, was, it wasn't there anymore. I was like, okay. And, and that was just fun to watch. And then we're seeing the two goaltenders right now with Zach Sahar has been really a good story, guys. Uh, comes in, he's the third goalie at camp. Not sure if he's going to be the guy or even on this team. Wins the job, and uh, he's kind of, I don't know if he's hes maybe the 1A of the 1B situation with Ethan McCallum, but they've been really good as a tandem. Uh, you know what, goaltending hasn't been the issue with the Tigers this year. So there's a lot of pieces to like about this group, and that's obviously where everybody will salivate in a year or two. And we're seeing this come to the peak of this group. I, I saw Harsani play um, when he was a U15 at NAX, and um, so quick, so shifty, so talented, wins battles, like you said. And 
when you look at that point total, 23 points, um, A, that is a good point total being, you know, about half a point a game as a 16-year-old. High-end players operated around that point total. Um, B, that's in 34 games because the first, what, 14, 15, he had none. So when you extrapolate that point per game number, you know, the progress he's making um, is really substantial. And so if you're seeing that kind of step forward, you – you only start to wonder, okay, well, what's next you're going to hold? Is that a 60-point season or 50? And then the year after that, right? Like, So he's he's certainly on target. It's just tough when you get compared to maybe the best 16-year-old in the country. Yeah. No, it's something there. And don't forget, like, Cade McCann's on this team. Like, that's no slouch there. That's a captain down the road, I think. And just, you know, it was a great humanitarian the other day when he doesn't have to go to school till later and, comes out and reads the kids like man he was uh, he's big strong power forward center right now that has just got to work out a little bit more each day and if, if this guy puts on about 20 pounds of pure muscle get out of the way like he's gonna be taking lives into his own into his own um gonna take lives into his own hands at times and that so I, there's not a like the 07 group is going to be a rich draft class for a long time for the Tigers. Like they've hit on most of their picks in that draft. So it's, it's pretty special to kind of see like, and, and hats off to Bobby Fox, uh, the director of player personnel who kind of orchestrates drafts and talks to Willie Desjardins, I think every day about guys they want to go get or what they've got. And let's not forget the Ruck twins are coming and they're coming next year. So they, you know what, tearing it up at U18, OHA, Okanagan, and uh, maybe you're going to see some of those 08 defensemen. That's why I kind of thought, thought with this group, you might want to try and sort of get that long run so they can teach those players how to get it done. And then you can really be stable for years to come and get back to the good old days of the Mesnat Tigers. Well, I, I did want to sort of touch on that separately. I mean... There was an identity for the Tigers that was associated with winning every year and that old burn and the race, you know, to to get your seat and lining up out the door, sell out <laughs> down by the water. And there were some lean years. There's the new building. There was COVID. The it didn't feel quite like it used to feel. And it it seems like it's there's, you know, been a changing of the guard in terms of the the fan base and 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 the relationship with the community and and is it common in your mind like how is that renewal process because it's that's been rebuilding at the same time as the on ice products has been rebuilding right are are we starting to see that connection with the community get closer to what it used to be I think so I obviously haven't been around it enough and I can't really pick uh, sort of a spot where they need to get better or what the community is doing. Cause I don't live here all year. Uh, that's not fair to say because I'm a contract employee sure. and all that stuff. But I think it's coming. The Saturday numbers have been really good this year, which is, was kind of that. And going back to that, Sean, the old, uh, the old 4,006 every game. And I think is uh, something that'll never be done again. So like, I know there's always been the complaints of the rink's too big, which I that needs to stop yesterday. It's one of the nicest rinks in the country right now of what you have as a hockey player, even as a road team. 
and like I I don't know. I think it's coming back. I we had the um, what was it? The SpongeBob game or the Nickelodeon game? And at forty one hundred fans. So that night you had more fans than you ever could physically happen at the old rink. So that tells me that there is that taste there, and obviously it needs to get to the win. And that, I think it was just a sat. Maybe it was a saturated product. Like, oh yay, we're first round and second round, and then we're done. But there was never. It was always funny. You talk to some of the locals, at least one being the in-game host, Jesse Christensen, and he kind of goes back. We needed to have a bad year. Really needed to knock us down a peg because we had been too lucky. To make the, I think the playoff made the playoffs for twenty straight years, when it was all, and that that's like Detroit Red Wings and the Red Wings, about twenty four or twenty five years before they missed the playoffs, and then look at their rebuild to try and get back like that. And obviously, it's different at junior, but this kind of probably feels like that for them with them missing the playoffs and winning eleven games, and you know, just backing into the not backing in, but getting into the playoffs on the last game of the regular season in that game against Swift Current and on paper probably shouldn't have been there. That's on paper, but that team found a way. And I think that game alone kind of brought fans back and it's still got some time to go. I, I'm curious what I know Tuesday night games. That's just, man, that that's just hard. Like I don't, I don't expect anybody to, you know, unless you got a Tuesday or you're, not at school or it just works out. I've never expected to sell it on a Tuesday and no one ever should junior again, unless it's just, you know, you're, it's just the only thing in town, which maybe that is in Hat. but the Friday, Saturday are pretty special. And Saturday, Saturday's a co-op place, or I guess the place to be. And that's kind of been pushing around the last you know, couple of weeks or even the last month of, you, you might want to make your way over here because there's some good stuff. And I know as a, a team from afar, do it. We're getting better. I know it. I got always turnovers been kind of high and putting in new personnel and new graphics, the video board and new ideas. It, it takes a long time for that process, and uh, we're still got a long way to go. We still got ideas that haven't been floated out, and hopefully they get to come to fruition. And there's an opportunity down the road for for more big things. You know our. Our rink is, is, is too big, you know, at, at over, over 10,000. I mean, you could fit, you know, a good portion of Swift Current in our building, you know, if, if, if you want <laughs> All it. right now. <laughs> but, no, but it, it, it is too big. I mean, but, you know, it's, 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 it's frustrating to see, you know, the parallels with, uh, with, with co-op place there and also the, you know, the, the rink in, in Moose Jaw as far as, you know, going to, you know, you, got, you, you have to go to a modern building at some point. And then to just I don't know what what got lost in translation, but it seems kind of similar stories, and you just hate to see you know like a a nice new modern facility and somehow it just hasn't been embraced. I mean it's kind of you know it's just it's just frustrating. But yet people will pay two hundred dollars a seat to go watch the Edmonton Oilers play, and no problem. Like oh that's money well spent. <laughs> well, they are the best team in the NHL, so I mean, settle down, settle down there. <laughs> they do have the best two players in the league, so maybe the best goalie right now too. Like, my yes, <laughs> maybe Canada's Olympic goalie. Huh? Who'd have thought Stuart Skinner would be in the Team Canada conversation? 
Who would have thunk it, right? Like that's great, great Swift Current Bronco story and Lethbridge Hurricanes, right? Like that's pretty special, pretty special story. But yeah, I love that old barn in Portland. I I know it's probably going to come to its end one day there, but man, sign me up for another game the rock in the Rose at the windows, maybe. But that's okay. <laughs> that would just add theater to the whole yeah. thing. Like who took out the rock this time? And yeah. I don't know. It'd be great. I was happened to be in that building last night, and we spent quite some time talking about the curtains and why do we ever put them back up? Just leave the curtains down all the time and embrace the, the uniqueness of that building. But you know, I don't know if you guys. I love it. I love it when the curtains are open. Yeah, it's a pretty... that'd be a good idea, guys. So because it's a good idea, it's a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a unique old barn. That's for that's for sure. But um, I loved it when when my first. Trip there, uh, I was I was tickled pink. Like you could smell the cigarettes from the seventies in there, and where Jerry Buss probably sat down. Like my God, I loved it. Like that. Besides, like that was one of my favorite rigs. I know it, it looked like calling a game for there wasn't ideal, but it's because there's the rant. I like to stand when I call games, and I asked the guy behind me, "Can I stand?" He's like, "Nope." I was like, "Oh, okay." So. <laughs> And I just, yeah, that's the only, that's the only crappy part about that is I can't, there's only a couple of rings I can't stand in. And one's Prince Albert because of height and Swift Current, obviously. The beam. And, yeah. yeah, the beam, the beam's there. And then I could, and, and Portland, or not, and Portland, and you're just, I hate sitting down because your legs just go on you, hey, like you don't realize you've been sitting for so long, but when you're doing play-by-play, like your brain's moving and. You're kind of shaking. You got a little bit of shake to you. Also, standing at least you feel like you're doing something. You know. The, yes, it's good for you. There was like one. It's... We eat at. No, I, have, I haven't done it in a few years. But I, you go on the road with the team. They feed you the same thing they feed the players. So they, they feed you the same meals guys are eating when they're going to go and skate for three hours. Then you go and sit on your butt. <laughs> That's not yep. going to be good. <laughs> your ass is growing by the second, right? Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah. that's the thing. Like, I, I in Saskatoon, I stand like in, in the saddle dome. I figured out how to stand. I know that's a hard building to stand in, but I figured it out. In Edmonton, and, if you stand, then you'll get lightheaded because you're so high up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you got to make make sure you got your crowd mic working there, or you you may as well just call the game off monitor. You may as well call the game off monitor. You'll get a better experience. And always cold too, right? Like it's like minus yeah. eighty up there. Like you have to wear a jacket. Now, just just generally, it's been a couple years for you, Gino. I mean, you're you're not a newbie to the broadcasting world, but in terms of uh, <laughs> being in the Western Hockey League, uh, what are some of your you know uh, reflections on on that step, or surprises, or just you know feelings you've had as you've had a chance to run with this opportunity for a couple of years? Man, it, it's crazy that it's already been two years, and you know it. I, I, it's you know what? It was more getting down the media ops, like getting the make sure you're doing some good game notes, and you're well prepared that way. It's kind of taken away from my play by play a little bit, which is the tough part about it right now. And I don't think a lot of people understand that that are in both roles, and it even fooled me. Like, oh, I can do broadcasts and comms. I'll have all the time in the world, but. You do all this time on whether it's the bus getting ready for a back-to-back, like, PA Sass tune. Like, 
you know, post game still up for three or four hours, either prepping or making sure game notes are off to Saskatoon or Prince Albert, ready to go. And you're gassed at the end. Like I, I've been tired a lot lately, but that's not like griping and complain. Like I hate it. It's just like, oh shit! Like didn't realize that was going to be a thing, right? And I think just like how you know what the unpredictability of every game has been. I thought it was going to be an easy one in PA. To be honest, just for the record, nope, lost it. That's and I was like, you know what? It, it, it knocks you down a peg. Like it's not like junior A where I was for eleven years, where it's guaranteed win night against the Calgary Canucks or the old Grizzlies back in the day. You know what? That's that's kind of that's kind of the big thing there. And obviously, being I'm a lot closer to the players here. I was pretty close to players at Okotoks, but obviously, spending about whether it's half or a quarter of my day, or sometimes my whole day with the coaching staff and players and personnel, it, it's different. It's a lot different and, you, and it takes up a lot of time. Like it, it's very time consuming. It's such a jam packed season. It's amazing. The one thing that blew my mind last year was after the Tigers got beat by Winnipeg, the final exit meeting happened. We funneled everybody out. We looked around, everybody had their stuff cleaned out. There was nothing in the locker room, like, like spotless. And it's just like, you go, a hundred miles an hour, then it's just zero. And you're just like, whoa. <laughs> it's, that's just, and, and you just rest for three months and do it again, right? So it's been fun. Like, I've enjoyed it. You know, the brethren in I've dealt with in the play-by-play world have been really good. I don't think anybody hates me if they do. I mean, I guess deal with it, I guess, or fight me for it. I don't know. Like, you got you to gotta beef, bring it up, so... It's been it's been great. I've I've been blessed and just watching the talent and you know it's experience I'll never forget whether it, it ends this year or down the road. I have no idea, right? Like it's been it's been wild and it's one of those things where you don't need a championship to have fun. Like in junior, I was kind of at that point where I was like, I would like to win one here because I've done everything. I don't think that's ever going to be an issue in the Western League for a long time. Well, you. You might, you know, just blow into town and call some games, and then 50 years goes by. I mean, it could happen. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get there. As much as it, as much as everybody thinks I'm the next Bob Ridley, I I will not be the next Bob Ridley for more than one reason, because he's the greatest of all time, and I don't think I'll get – if I'm still doing 4,000 games, I'll be dead for sure, like 100% dead. Yeah, they don't. They don't build them. They don't build them like Bob. You know, I knew he's nope. gonna, gonna come up at some point. And obviously, we're not trying to trying to to, to compare you to him, but uh, he's, <laughs> he, he makes it in the ring sometimes here and there. He's at most of the games. Uh, you don't miss a Saturday night. That's for damn sure. You know what? I and Bob likes to keep to himself. I think if you you know the guy, he does. Like even he always liked to keep to himself, and he didn't like to be in the private eye. It's not like he didn't like it or or in the public eye. He didn't. Well, not that he avoided it, but he just liked his privacy. And I get he he's God around here. Like he's he's more famous than the mayor. He's probably more famous than Willie Desjardins or Tom Lysiak or or Lanny McDonald and any of those guys that have come through it. When you think of the Mass Tigers, Tigers, think of Bob Ridley. And and you should. Like that he's got his name in the rafters. Like how many broadcasters have a banner? Like how awesome is that? Like I don't know. I know he's in the uh, Alberta Sports Hall of Fame, but if there was a way we could get him to the Hockey Hall of Fame, for the love of God, let's do it tomorrow. Like, let's do it. Like, he deserves to be there. Yeah, it's a little bit. It's a little bit. Uh, 
surprising it hasn't happened, honestly. Yeah. I, I don't know I how really we do about that. that. We might have to look it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the, you know, we're in, we're in multiple hats, you know, for all those years. I mean, everybody, everybody loves that, that half of the story, too, and that's – to me, that's a, that's that's enough to to, to, to push him, push him over that that hump, you know. To drive the bus, absolutely. I still will not be driving the bus ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like not happening. I know there's been a couple times with drivers. You think, God, should I just get it? They're like, nope, nope. Then you realize yesterday or on Saturday, going home in a snowstorm, like. This is why I sit here and not in the seat. <laughs> well, I, re- I remember Mark Lamb saying to me one time, because uh, that, I, Molly, I've never seen anyone sleep like you on a bus. Thank God you're not like Ridley, because <laughs> if you were driving the bus, we'd be dead in about 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> what a great man, Mark Lamb, hey? Oh, yeah. What a great man. Yeah. Need to, Former need, Tiger. Need to get him yes, back. Yes, exactly. Up. He had a great relationship with Bob. But, yeah. yeah. I need to get him back on the Ask. show here coming up, but yeah. oh, he's he's a beauty, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Great there's man. there's there's lots of there'll be lots more Prince George that that needs discussed here down the down the stretch. They're 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 not going away. No, not with that guy at the helm. Not a chance. Yeah, it should be a wonderful playoff. I mm-hmm. I think you know um, when you when you look at both both conferences and the sort of the top half of both conferences, there's a bunch of teams that are right there. And Mm -hmm. that'll make for very exciting, you know, first round, yes. But once you get to the second, third rounds, I think we'll see some just wonderful, wonderful playoff hockey. Well, man, you look at it like if it sits the way it is, and you you don't know, like, with the two who wins out of the central, whether it's going to be Red Deer or or Madison Hat still stays there or Swift Current makes that huge surge, that's going to be tough for them to do. But then you're going to play Moose Jaw in round two, most likely. Good Lord. Like, enjoy. Like, that's going to be fun. Yeah. And you know what kind of old roads kind of point to Saskatoon Moose Jaw at the start of the year? Like, you want to see seven rounds of that? I do. <laughs> like, my goodness. Like, obviously, you'd like to see seven rounds of Saskatoon Medicine Hat, but if it doesn't happen that way, I, I did say this on a broadcast, and I'll say it here. If and when the Tigers are done in the playoffs, I'm putting on a red Moose Jaw Warriors jersey. It's not even up for debate. <laughs> That's the jersey I'm going to wear. Because I think they deserve it, and they're due. Like, like a team that needs to win it, go for it, guys. Go for it. Well, that's the fun thing, though, too, is of the teams in the mix, quite a number of them haven't had that title yet. Moose no. Jaw. Um, Saskatoon, Prince George, Everett, right? These are these are teams that are all um, well run and developed and built through the draft and and haven't had their haven't had their flowers yet, haven't had their banner, you know. No, I, I mean I'm, I live in Swift Current, so I'm obviously always going to hope for the best for the team here. But uh, it, it'd also really be nice to see one of those teams, one of those markets, get to celebrate uh, for the first time. Absolutely. Man, would that not just make hockey better in a market like Moose Jaw if they win it instead of waiting 40 more years? Like, again, like that's the same it, with like. It's tough for me to cheer for Moose Jaw, but. That's fair. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll let it go. Like, even yeah, with Saskatoon. I, 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 I like them. I like them, you know, on a personal level, on a sports level. It's, 
it's tough. You're not supposed to, yeah. It'd yeah. Be, it's like Moose Jaw. It'd be like Bassinet Jerry for Lethbridge. Yeah, exactly. It's the exact same thing. You're not going to... Yeah, you'd rather see somebody else win than Lethbridge. Anyone but Lethbridge, <laughs> I mean, like, right? Deep, deep down, I'd be like, oh, I'm happy for them. But while the game's going on... Uh, yeah, I hope you lose, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. it's going to be neat. It's going to be neat in the East. Like, I think it's just going to be an absolute bloodbath when it's all said and done. Yeah, even, you know, even here in Portland, I think people like seeing Seattle finally get over the hump and, you know, start winning after, you know, 40 years, but... Then they kind of stuck around too long, and that that kind of that kind of got old. So yeah, that, that lingered, right? <laughs> yeah, they had a pretty now good run there. Now sit at the bottom now, and sit at the bottom and wait for Landon Dupont, perhaps, right? <laughs> it's a little, like, like it's a little like like Vegas when every where, yes. that, where everyone was like, "Oh, Vegas, that's fun, new team, they're they're doing well." Now the rest of us, uh, after five years or so, are like, "Enough of Vegas, uh, thanks." yeah no that was me that was me year one yeah that was me year one i was so mad and as a flames fan it was very frustrating it always will be believe me it's never gonna it's not getting better that's Uh, just just existing as a flames fan exactly but like i just watched vegas like they got every single bounce that first year i'm like you bastards you are playing with, (laughs) with so much house money it's not even funny and then when Braden Holpe made that save in game one of the cup finals, like, now your time has come. You are going down. And uh, they lost in five. And, but then since then, Washington hasn't done anything, and they've won a cup. So I digress. Yeah, they, they, I don't need those guys winning another cup anytime soon. But they might. You never know. Kelly Kramer, he always finds a way to win. Stone Cold Stone. Shocker, that guy knows how to make a deal, hey? Oh, God. <laughs> And don't answer I would the love phone. to be. I don't know. Teams, teams didn't learn that in the Western League. They haven't learned it in the NHL. Don't answer the phone. If Kelly McCrimmon calls, hang up. Because <laughs> you're going to lose the deal. You may not think you lose the deal, but you're gonna. Like it, it's incredible, right? Like that's such a cool story. Like to be a fly on the wall when he was in Brandon, I think would have been the most unbelievable stuff I've ever seen. Like just. Being in a phone call with Kelly McCrimmon on a trade call would just be like, just get the popcorn already. Like, or even doing negotiations in the NHL. Like, I think at the time, for a while, I think he was still do- doing the odd deal in the Wheat King's office because he was owning the team still. So he'd be taking Vegas calls while he was in Brandon. Like, how cool is that? Like, I love that little rink there at the Keystone Center. Like, I don't like going to Brandon, but I like it once I get there. Yeah, I I'll tell you that right now. Hey, it's an underrated thing from a broadcaster perspective, especially in the winter when you arrive and you don't ever have to leave the building. It's beautiful. Nope. <laughs> Go to the bar on your way back from the hotel or before the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right. Like perfectly, I would love nothing more if I had if I had billions of dollars, I would build an arena with a casino on it and all that stuff like cannons and wet in Brandon. And I could have a team there. I'd be like, here you go, guys. Enjoy. Just lock up when you're done. <laughs> and give, give yourself the suite on the top floor, of course. Absolutely. Hey, yeah, I have the nice robes and the chocolate on the pillows. Why not? <laughs> do, do you put the benches on the same side or the opposite side? Same side. Like, that would be my change. But man, I, it's cool with the West Toba there, right? Like, 
that that bring, that's like Swift too. That makes it interesting. I've always I, liked the opposite side because then you can stare at each other. You know? That is fair too. I, I I like that. I never noticed that because of in Swift because you don't see it. Mm-hmm. No, that that's fair. But West Tova Place, the, every every market in Western Canada or even Eastern Canada should aspire to have a model like that. Yeah. And maybe not smell like smell like a barn, which is fine. I don't care. I I grew up on a farm. It doesn't bother me one bit. <laughs> well, we've we've kept you for some some time, Gino. Is there any kind of you know thoughts that that you you wanted to get to in in this platform that we uh, we haven't touched on? I I think we've covered enough for now. I think just another visit down the road probably will uh, clear up anything we need to know. That's awesome. I, thanks for having me, guys. We we avoided asking you all the junior A questions. So. Yeah, I, I don't want to touch that. <laughs> Sean, there will be a time and a place where I will say and and tell all, but that's not today. That's a that's an off the record kind of a discussion. Huh? That's, that's, well, that that's over a couple points at West Toba yeah. Place <laughs> <laughs> with with Perry Berkson. Absolutely, yeah. let's put him with a recorder. <laughs> we got to uh, no. We we got to get that bar as a sponsor on the show as much as you know we're pumping their tires, but I, I can't remember what the hell it's called to be honest. I just know it's the bar next to the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good, fellas. I appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yes. Uh, safe travels and uh, best of luck to the to the Tigers on the stretch. You betcha. Keep up the good work, fellas. <laughs> <laughs>